This is Paul Nobles from Eat to Perform, and we're actually doing kind of a cool podcast. Uh, we're hoping to do more of these for our totally new clients, right? Because let's be real, any change that you make is kind of difficult, right? And we've got a lot of things coming at all of you new folks all at once, right? So it can sort of be overwhelming. I don't know if everyone saw the video that I posted in the group, but there was a video that said like, there's two types of dogs, right? And there was this one dog, they were filling up this, this pool for a child. And the one dog was slowly drinking the water. And then the other dog was jumping back and forth drinking the water, right? And we wanna get you folks to the point where you're slowly drinking the water, right? And what happens, I think, for new people in general is they want to drink all the water at once, right? And what we're trying to kind of transition most of you from is this idea of 30-day challenges and detoxes and, and all these things that ultimately aren't super helpful long-term right? And really aren't a great lifetime solution for what you're trying to accomplish, right? And, and if you see, Romero, I told you guys about the rights. Um, there was our first one. Um, but what I think happens for, for a lot of folks when you start to approach this, I mean, now that we've been doing this almost 10 years, we have some clients that have been doing this with us all 10 years. And because of that, we've been able to see you know, their long-term progress and their outlook and what you see over and over again with our long-term clients is just how much recomp they have over that time. Even in my case, you know, um, the, the amount of muscle, my initial body fat test had me at 127. And right now, just based on some, some calculations that I've been able to do, I'm right at 170. So that's 43 pounds of muscle, right? And so if I had like this idea of what I should weigh and why I should weigh that, I would be 43 pounds off. And so you, you got to kind of keep that in mind as you're trying to drink in what is probably like a tsunami of water, right? So let's do this. Let's go ahead and we're going to walk you through the thing that allows you to drink the most water the fastest, right? And that is planning the day before. And we say it all the time. And a lot of folks, um, are reluctant to do it because you know we all kind of have this ego related to what we eat or whatever but if you're starting today start tomorrow right don't start today take the information that you're getting in terms of your macros and your plans and and things of this nature and plan the very next day first and i know you you're going man Am I going to have to do this for the rest of your life? This is not for the rest of your life. It's for tomorrow, right? And so when we look at, at that, you know, 
I will tell you that, and I'll get into it a little bit. Um, it's probably not super helpful for this discussion, but you know, a lot of people that start off come up with a lot of things like you know, am I going to have to log for the rest of my life and all of these different things that are sort of reasons that cause you to quit long term, right? Once you start to set up this paradigm where, oh, no, I'm going to be in this prison. Well, first of all, most people that start Eat and Form do start in fat loss. Would I rather them start in performance? Absolutely. Why would I rather them start in performance? Because then we would know exactly what numbers you're coming from. Most of you do not have any understanding of how much your body can get away with, right? And once we have those numbers, then what happens is we can subtract from those numbers. We're like every other program. When we start you off, we're going to start you off at a number that is a bit of a guess. When you look at eat to perform and the basic idea of eat to perform, for some of our people that have been with us for 10 years, we're not guessing. We've known their macros, we've known their activity for all 10 years. And so when you look at uh, how you will proceed in the future, we will have data on you. Right now, for most new people, you've started off where your thought process is, is that the eating less part is the most important part. And you might be right. Maybe you came to as over-consuming. But when I look at the clock, you know, it is May. Um, you know, if you're listening to this down, down the road, there are some very big differences, you know, in times of year. In May, typically, people have eaten pretty good in May, right? September, as an example, people tend to overconsume over the summer. Christmas and the holiday season is similar, where people naturally overconsume. And so when we look at it, you know, I said this in a post recently, people just don't give enough credit to the cheesecake and the beer. And they really should give the cheesecake and the beer a lot more credit. So when you see some of these folks with these amazing transformations in the private groups and things of this nature, and you're frustrated because that's not you, well, you know, maybe there was some cheesecake and beer for that person and you weren't eating that. And so your situations are very different, right? And so that's something that I wanted to think about, but there is nothing that you can do that will get you off to a better start than logging your food the day before you eat it. And then what you'll see by day seven is 90% of those foods you're logging every single day. It, it really doesn't vary all that much. So what you think is overwhelming by day seven takes three minutes. Day one might take 20, right? So keep that in mind as as we're doing this do you have any thoughts on that becky any tricks or ideas because i i really don't think there is any tricks or ideas you know even if you were you know just trying to work with foods that you like 
it's so much easier to kind of kind of do that. I, before I before you answer my question, um, I, as most people know, I don't do many fat loss cycles as a strategy because I know that it's better to not do many um, fat loss uh, cycles as a strategy. And I know that's something that many of you are going to wrestle with for a while and we'll get you there eventually. But when I do a cut or a fat loss cycle, I immediately take the same strategy. So I'm not preaching something that we don't all do, right? So, so I'm sure Maria's done it. I'm sure Becky's done it. Because when, you, when you're in a cutting cycle, fat loss cycle, or really even performance, like a, so if you've come to us in performance, as an example, you probably have, you, usually if somebody comes to us in performance, they, they, they've been dieting for a while, right? And so if they've been dieting for a while, you want to take those good habits that you picked up in a fat loss cycle and transfer those over to performance. A lot of people think, well, I'm moving to performance. I'm going to have a lot more food. It, it does end up being a lot more food eventually, but as you're kind of just trying to transfer those good habits that you had from a fat loss cycle, what you're going to find is that some of the flexibility is sort of overrated right? As you're adding in some, some energy dense foods, those nutrient dense foods in good amounts also matter quite a bit, right? And so kind of keep that in mind. Now, see, now I'm subconscious about every time I say, right, uh, for the, those, uh, <laughs> for those that, that uh, work here from the beginning and are listening to the podcast, I, I mentioned that we needed a lot of questions, which by the way, we still have zero. Um, because when I don't have questions and don't have stuff to talk about, I say right as a transition, which is a good transition instead of saying, um, but it also becomes a lot of right. So keep that in mind. Becky, any thoughts, any, any, any questions that you what I tell new clients is that it's much easier, especially in the beginning to keep things easy and, you know, meat and potatoes kind of thing or rice or lots of vegetables, depending on, you know, if they're in fat loss or PR, just because those are easier to log, especially while they're getting accustomed to logging if they've never done so before and things like that. And then they can start to venture out into doing recipes and things like that. And their coach can always help them and give them different ideas and, you know, things just to help them because we do realize that it's overwhelming for new people, particularly those that have never logged before. And so we, my biggest thing is just to keep it simple. I mean, I continue to eat simply and I know that Paul does too. That's more, that's because it's our preference. We're busy and it's just the way that we eat, but you don't have to continue to do that, especially with practice, because like anything else with practice, it gets easier. Yeah, I think that's great. And for those on the call, we, we didn't do any introductions. I'm Paul Nobles. I'm the founder of Eat Form. Becky and Maria are lead coaches. Becky is the coach of coaches. So 
that's why we have everyone on the call just to kind of help you out. Maria, do you have any thoughts or, or ideas? Because obviously on a day-to-day basis and you're muted by now, right now, uh, so you want to unmute, but uh, do you have any thoughts, any, any things that you see on a daily basis that really kind of takes a new person from, you know, where they are, which is probably overwhelmed and confused on day one, right? So day seven, where they have a real good handle on things. Yeah, just adding on to what Becky said, keep it simple. You know, the whole kiss, keep it simple, but not stupid. Um, and for those special events or dinners out, um, you want to plug those in first. If you do that, then you can work around it. Um, or let's say, you know, you have a birthday because life happens and something, some kind of celebration is going to happen. You want to leave macros for that or plug that cake in first um, if you can. Um, and that's helped a lot of my clients when I tell them to do that first. Um, they can they can stick to the plan better and not think like, oh, I have this event or this dinner out. It, it, the day is just blown. Um, I can't stick to it. And the more you do it, the more you practice, uh, the easier it gets. Yeah, that is phenomenal advice. What happens for a lot of you is that when you come in, you view us similar to all the other diets you would have done up to this point. And we are very different because, you know, if you're planning your day and like Maria saying, try and log some of the foods that, that you're going to have later on and then fit your other foods around it. So the flexibility is there because a, a lot of you, whether you came from low carb, whether, you know, all these different things often come from like a naughty and nice list point of view. And this is much more flexible, but what you'll find is that it's not near as flexible as you think. So two things, what Maria said, you know, right from jump, I don't think the idea is for, for you to get it perfectly right out the gate. That said, if not planning your day ahead of the time, like we talked about in the beginning of the podcast, comes up, and then now all of a sudden you're winging it, or you're having too many of these off-plan moments, well, then you're kind of doing your own thing. Right. And so we really have to focus on that piece. Um, but, you know, that was a great example. And when she said it in the group, I, I didn't love it because, you know, it, it often I, I, I can see some people that when they, you know, add in some flexibility on weekends, that's why we put your super days typically either Friday or Saturday so that you can have a little bit more flexibility. But there was someone in the group that talked about the fact that you know, on one day she won't log, which is awesome, right? Um, I think that's fine as long as you're not necessarily under eating on that day or um, you're just trying to, to get a little bit of a break. Because if you're new to logging and you're three to four days in and you wanna take that one day, stay mindful, it might be smart to do that. Here's the problem. 
a lot of people, that's a door that opens and then they struggle getting it shut again. And what happens, another piece of what happens is that when they have that day and then they open the door and then they can't shut it, now all of a sudden on Sunday, they're doing a 24 hour fast, you know, and as coaches, Becky, Marie, and myself, you know, we would rather you get to back to your plan as soon as possible. And the reason why we want you to get back to your plan as soon as possible is because we are looking at your data and making changes based on that data. And so if you're doing your own thing, we really can't figure out what the data is saying or why, right? And so if we can get you back to that point where you're just doing the plan as we're talking about and hitting your macros and, and planning the day before, it really helps us for what the next adjustments will be. Because for most of you that are just starting, if you have your macros, your macros are gonna change up to four times in the next few weeks. And so when we, the, the thing that makes us with that change is directly related to how you're doing the plan. And so when we look at it, we're looking at, okay, how green is this person? Okay, we're seeing a consistent pattern. Let's make an adjustment. But when you look at it from the perspective and we're seeing yellows and reds and all these other things, you can literally get it right every single day logging the day before. And like Maria said, if you have a time where you're having to be a little bit flexible, try and log those things ahead of time and then working your way around that. That is a phenomenal tip, just so you know. And when you are doing that, the one thing I need you to consider is you don't have to be super, super rigid in that regard. Um, but part of it is going to be a guess, right? And you have to, you have to know that going in is that you're, you're, I would look at the entries based on, you know, uh, gins, uh, chili salad. And if you see something on my fitness pal that, that looks close to right, that's what we do. So we don't, we don't sit there and analyze all the different ingredients. We use, a uh, an entry that is currently there, we do have the benefit of a lot of experience. When you've been, you know, kind of doing these things for many, many years, you kind of have that eyeball factor that you probably don't have in the first couple of weeks. So kind of keep that in mind. Um, the other thing I just wanted to say, I'll go at, I'll go, uh, I'll talk about this once I get through some of the questions, because we have a lot of questions coming in. One thing that new people ask a lot is, will I have to log my food forever? And the answer is no. But I will explain to you why it's probably not going to be as big a deal as you think long term, and some people prefer it. I actually don't log my food all the time, but I'll explain to you the conditions because you have to, you really have to be doing those conditions. Otherwise, it can get wonky really fast. So, so kind of keep that in mind. Before I get to the questions, there's another piece that I wanted to talk about that I think is really helpful in the beginning. There are processed foods like Doritos, 
And then there's processed foods like Simply Potatoes. And I don't know if all of you have Simply Potatoes in your area, but you probably have something very similar where it's like mashed potatoes from mashed potatoes. I don't know if, if I am just scarred from my youth, but when I was a kid, everyone ate those boxed mashed potatoes that, that you would make with milk and butter, or in my case, my mom wouldn't make with milk and butter. So the thing that tastes awful in the first place became more awful. Um, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you know, the stuff that's in the freezer, it's made from real potatoes, things of this nature. White rice, you can get a lot of that stuff at Trader Joe's. I use sticky white rice, which I get at Cub Foods, which if you don't have a Cub Foods in your area, it's just like every other normal um, restaurant that you might have. Uh, another big tip is a lot of this stuff that you can buy if you have an Amazon Fresh. If, you know, I don't know what your opinions are of it on Amazon, but it's so hard not to buy from Amazon when they do everything so well, so much. And as much as I would love to support my local grocery stores and things of this nature, they're getting me my food on time. It's good quality food. And then they bring it to me. It's, it's just so, so much easy. When you first starting off, that is a great, great suggestion. So when you look at black beans, I eat canned black beans, we know, mashed potatoes. I eat mashed potatoes from the, the Simply Potatoes in the, in the frozen section. White rice, I get from the frozen section. Now, does this mean that I never make any of this stuff from scratch? No, we make a lot of it from scratch. But what I would, would definitely want you to know is that take some shortcuts. Take some easy wins early on. A lot of these thought processes that you have related to processed foods, equating Doritos to simply potatoes in your freezer section that you can buy low fat, uh, you know, all these different things. It, it, it's just harming your relationship with food and it can really, really help you get, you know, up to speed very quickly. So there's, there's, there's the Doritos side of things and then there's, you know, white rice, uh, you know, mashed potatoes, black beans. These are things that you can take shortcuts on. Um, just try and keep an eye on some of the sodium on, on those things and see if you can kind of keep that in line. All right, let's get to some questions here. Becky, if you could do this for me and read me the questions, that, that okay. does help me a bit. Yes. Um... Let's see, we went over as far as if they were going out, then they could pre-log that and then work their day around that. Um, if I have an option, which is better to go over or under between carbs and fat? So we went over this. Um, the, the plan is the plan for a reason. If you go under or over, you're not doing the plan. And so you go, well, well, you know, I, I can't figure it out every single day. That's why the planning ahead makes everything so important. But from your standpoint, right, what you purchased was us to help you get a specific result. If you are giving us yellows on cards, but you're giving us reds on fats, 
we can't really figure out what's going on. And so we make all of our adjustments based on how you're responding to our plan, not your plan. And so the answer is that you just need to plan better the day before eating your food the very next day. And you will never get it wrong. Now you go, well, I've come from a low carb background. I'm used to more fat than carbs. Then why you, did you sign up with us, right? If you, if you signed up with us, what you're essentially saying is, I want to try it your way because my way hasn't been working. So if you want to try it our way, you have to try it the way that we're prescribing it for you, right? And so my answer to that is a non-answer. I'm not going to accept that we can't do it because literally thousands of people are doing it every single day. Now, there are a lot of programs that do program in 80%, 70%. And what happens when you deal with the 80 to 70% is, because we've done it, we've, we've definitely had that factored into our program. And you do have that little bit of flexibility. I don't know if all of you know that, but the carbohydrates, as an example, you have up to 10 grams. And, and I mean, I'm pretty sure Maria and Becky are, are similar to me in that regard. We use all 10, right? Nine and a half um, every single time. But, but uh, protein, I believe is set at 10 and then fats are it set is. at five. Yeah. Yes. And so um, you can't have that amount of flexibility, but, but when you're fluctuating 70 to 80%, that's just a joke. Because, because when you look at 70%, and let's say that, that you're in fat loss and your calories are at 1,400, that you know, is, is up to 400 calories, right? 350 to 400 calories of fluctuation. You, you definitely don't want to be going from 1,400 to 1,800 and then wondering why you can't lose weight, right? So that's why we do it the way that we do it. And then remember some of these places that are talking to you about like 70 to 80%, the reason why they're talking to you about 70 to 80% is because they don't have a real good plan for your calories normalizing. Look, you got six weeks of really pushing it and then calories come back. So that's when you want to have your flexibility. But even in that flexibility, especially in your, your middle phase. So for those that don't know, and you're totally new to the program, you're going to have six weeks of fat loss. In most of the cases, obviously, we prefer you come into performance, but we understand that you know some people are you know up in a little bit of weight, and even in even in the cases where people are under eating, often they're under eating out of balance, very similar to what the person just described, right? So maybe their calories were 1200 before, but they allowed for 70% flexibility. And so some days their, their calories were 1700 and then other days their calories were a thousand. What our plan does is specifically allow you to, um, not only have a direct plan every single day, but when food comes back, you can be much more flexible. The other thing too, if you're new to kind of this super day idea, you're, the morning of your super day, which is the day after your low day, 
will almost always be your lowest weight. We're one of the only programs that you've probably ever been involved with that can actually predict your lowest weight. Some caveats to that, because I know <laughs> Becky and Maria want me to say them, is that as your calories get lower, it does matter. Your body actually, as, as your calories are at your lowest, everything kind of goes out the window, right? And for women, time of month can matter. You know, how you respond to carbohydrates in the moment can matter. It's not, not as much as people, people think. But, um, you know, there's sort of this fear out there related to carbohydrates. And I know many of you come to us with that fear. What you need to understand, Susan talked about it on, on one of our recent podcasts and it went really well, is that those carbohydrates will now hydrate your muscles. And yeah, you might be bloated a little bit, but the more efficient, you know, you get, I actually talked about this, this comparison is a lot of people that think they're carb resistant for years have been poking a needle at their skin and wondering why you know their skin hurts if you've been avoiding carbs for years you are going to deal with some level of resistance as it relates to that and so your body is going to take a while to make that adjustment but within the system we already have it planned. We don't just load you up with a lot of carbohydrates. Now, I understand if you're coming from a low carbohydrate background, anything more than 30 grams is high carbs, right? That is not true. Um, that, that is the big lie that all of you have been told to make you fearful of foods in a flexible way. It, it, at the end of the day, it's all really simple. It comes down to calories. And so I know it's going to take a while for some of you to figure that out, but you will figure it out. But understand that this is not a scenario where you're extreme dieting. And so as your calories are coming down, you're going to go through the phases where calories come back up. And that's when you can start flexing some of those foods that you like a little bit more or you want to try and you haven't tried for a while. All right, Becky, next question. Um, I gave them a, the regular macro chart that we give to the clients as far as to give them ideas for protein and things like that. Um, and Christina wants to know um, if we have a macro list that actually tells them that they could eat this and it's for this many protein, this many carbs, you know, this many fats. Is there a list of protein options with macros included to go look at? I'm having a hard time knowing what to choose to fill things in without spending a lot of time. I don't think that we do. Um, and the reason why we don't is because it's very difficult to factor in serving size. Now, judging from what you just said, that makes me think that you may have come in via a free trial. The one example that I would say that defies what we just said is the meal plan. So the meal plan does give you very specific amounts based on the foods that you like or, or don't like. 
And so she's actually saying that she uh, did the meal plan option. So that's where I'm kind of confused because the, the meal plan option would give you very specific ideas related to amounts, right? And so uh, does the meal plan uh, give you the exact roadmap the whole time? It's really, it's really not for that. What it's really for is to get you kind of kickstarted so that you have some idea. And so rather than kind of having to come up with a plan all by yourself, you've got somewhere in the neighborhood of about 80% of the plan. And then what most people find is that they have about 20% flexibility for the rest of the stuff maybe they didn't think about when they took the initial survey or something of that nature. Um, I saw she had some follow-ups. Um, can you read me what she's saying? Um, she said that she paid for the meal plan right away and says, but only if I have those specific meals, right? Well, that's true, but, but so the way our meal plans work, if you end up buying that plan, which I, I really do think is super helpful for a lot of people for kind of the reasons that Christine is mentioning, is that many of you come to us and, and, and oh, by the way, like we used to not offer meal plans. And when we didn't offer meal plans, we had a lot more people struggle right out the gate. So what the meal plan does, so there's four different days within the Eat to Perform plan. There's the low day, the medium day, the high day, and the super day. And the meal plan gives you food for all those days, right? And so it's, it's really just to kind of get kick-started. Um, it, it's not a meal plan that's going to, to give you meals for 300 days and all these different recipes and things like that, right? We do give you a lot of resources. I don't know if, if many of you are following us on Pinterest, but it, if you aren't following on Pinterest, you probably should. A lot of our free resources are on, on Pinterest, but I don't really see a way, honestly, that you could do that. There are apps that do it. I don't want to mention them because at the end of the day, it, it just ends up being more confusing for people. I understand that in the beginning, like Christina's saying, you know, it's a little time consuming. It's not as time consuming within four days, right? Once you do it, for just a very short period of time. That's what, that's what I was trying to say. I don't know that I actually got to my main point. When I do a cut or a fat loss cycle, it takes me about the same time it takes most of you to kind of get things normalized, right? It takes me about three to five days. And the things that I eat in those first three to five days compared to, you know, the six week of a of a one one phase of a fat loss are just totally different right because you don't remember okay you know popcorn is good as a snack in this spot right or you don't remember that you know such and such salad kit has a lot of fat or things of that nature and so those first three to five days they they, they look a little rough but I can pull it together really quickly. I think most of you can pull it together really quickly. I know 
the reason why we're doing this is because we're 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 trying to highlight the hurdles that you're going to have but at the end of the day we're just trying to give you the resources to get through those hurdles but there is no way to get over those hurdles other than you just doing it and that's the part that i think a lot of people stumble on that we're hoping that this helps with but it it does come, and I don't mean this in a mean way, and so I really hope people appreciate this as I'm saying it. It has to be important to you. And what happens in the beginning is your Sunday, you, you know, well, Memorial Day is coming up. So Memorial Day ends up being one of those days where it's a food blowout, alcohol blowout, and then you hit the scale on Tuesday. Why don't we ever, we, we do it, as human beings, we all do it wrong, right? We don't weigh ourselves on the moments where we're doing well. We weigh ourselves on the moments where we don't. And then you're kind of praying and hoping that the scale doesn't say what you think it does. And then, of course, yes, it does. You're five pounds up and you sort of panic. And it feels like it's going to be important to you. So you sign up for Eat to Perform. And then by Friday, you're like, eh, we kind of came back to normal, not near as important to me. And so... I would argue that try and fight through that a little bit where it, it gets to the part where it's important to you because look, you know, whether it's working out, whether it's food, it's supposed to be a little hard, right? Because, because it's worthwhile, you know? And that's the argument for really focus on, I see a lot of people doing this wrong also. They come in, whether it be exercise or whether it be food, and they want to do a lot of things that they don't really like. And if you do a lot of things that you don't like right out the gate, I, your days are numbered. You have to have, you know, I saw a great quote the other day. And this woman was talking to this coach. And she was talking about this really restrictive way that she eats and how she never feels like she has any options and, and things of this nature. And he said, I'm just going to tell you the way it is, and you can either believe it or not. But you can get results eating foods you like also, right? Now, does that mean that, you know, you can just pound Snickers all day? We all know that that's not true. But what many of you have been led to believe as a sales and marketing tactic is that some guru or some fat loss program they know the secrets to fat loss. Look, the secrets to fat loss are really, really simple and they haven't changed in a very, very long time. If you're eating more, your deficit's going to be more effective. But when you're in a deficit, you have to get out of that deficit at some point. We've known this forever. But the reason why you know, most programs don't sell it is because it's actually the hardest part of dieting, right? Because we naturally all want our weight to not fluctuate. We actually all want our weight to stay low all the time. And that's not how your body wants to work. And so you see people that have lost 80 pounds come to eat perform, and they get frustrated that their weight's up three pounds. It's like, well, what'd you think was going to happen? You know, I mean, if you've been dieting for a year and lost 80 pounds, that's amazing. But there is a little bit of a, 
understanding that you have or have to have, you know, coming into kind of renormalizing how your body would prefer to work. And without question, I mean, you know, you're welcome to not believe the truth, but the truth is, is your body wants to be well-fed. Your body wants you to do the things that you love. Your body wants you to be active. Your body wants you to be mentally healthy. Your brain wants food, right? And so, so there's a lot of you on this call that a lot of these concepts are just new to you. And if you were following the page and reading the things that I was writing and going, yeah, that makes sense to me, it should still make sense to you, right? I understand that your body and the messages that we've gotten for years and years and years, I mean, I'm gonna talk about that for a second. A lot of people say to me, well, we get marketed a certain way, you know, speaking to women or, or men that are bodybuilding, right? I get marketed a certain way. No, 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 no. The media that you consume is target marketing for what ultimately you want, right? I'm an expert in advertising. I know how to, you know, the, the parts of, you know, uh, interest groups that are interested in something like Eat to Perform. And so when we are putting out information and you're a runner or you're a CrossFitter or or you're a woman, maybe 30 to 60, I know that you're interested in what we're selling because I have a history of all the people that came before you that bought. And so when you're consuming a lot of data that's telling you high fat, low carb, you're going to get more of that, right? And then you're going to get groups that talk about that. And then you're going to be talking to a lot of people with a bad relationship with food that kind of have the wrong path, but they almost believe these things with a religious zealot. You know, at the end of the day, I think what we're selling is kind of hard, but it comes off as the truth. And that's why we have so many clients. And when you look at it and you go, look, I don't know if many of you are going to make it, right? And the reason why I don't think you're, you would make it is not because you're not going to hear the truth or like the truth, right? It's going to become, it's really not that important to you to get those last 10 pounds or let's go the opposite way where you were something similar to me in the beginning where, you know, I was 255 pounds as a 5'8 man. And for many years, it, it just wasn't important to me enough to really seek out the truth, right? I sought out a lot of quick fixes and not a lot of, hey, we're gonna have to be patient with this. And frankly, the biggest difference in my life was coaching and the coaching that I was buying, which cost me thousands of dollars. And when I started to eat to perform, that's all I could think about. All I could think about was all of you. And your lack of ability to pay thousands of dollars for the information that we're giving you now at a much lower cost point. And so when we look at the app, when we look at how we've designed the program, we had all those things in mind. 
All right, so I'm getting really long-winded. I'm I'm too I'm cool being here as long as uh, as people want to be here with us, but I'll try to be a little bit faster because I know some of you have time constraints. Um, we just had one another one come in from Christina. Uh, the reason for my specific question: I work on a boat many days a week, and one thing I'm struggling with is how to manage the plan with several restrictions on a low day. Lunches without heating food, something other than a salad for lunch, doesn't work on a boat moving through wind all day, and grab and go meals so that I can take out with me. So I start planning with dinners and then figure out my lunch and when feasible for a quick breakfast. And I'm often under in one specific category and I'm struggling to figure out how to feel how to fill that one macro with the other considerations not heating food no salads until dinner so there's a couple things that I would suggest for you so in the instance where um, we were just talking about where you would plan a day before you're probably going to need to play plan multiple days before the other thing that I would suggest to you if you're not in the meal planning group you should definitely get in there right? Because Maria, Becky, and I, we can offer suggestions in the moment, but there's a lot of people like you that have been doing this plan for a while. So if you go, so recently my, my sister joined and she just wanted some snack ideas and um, just some, some quick meal ideas. And so rather than giving her some of the, the resources that we have on Pinterest, I just asked a question just to show her what would happen. And I think it was something about 96 people um, gave suggestions based on that specific thing. So there's a lot of people dying to answer your question exactly in the situation you, you're in. And I would highly suggest that you use that because off the top of my head, you know, I'm not sure that I can really answer that, but, but I know that's what that group is amazing for. That's pretty much it for the questions. Really? Okay. All right. So uh, we have seven minutes left. Um, so I just want to kind of end things with some basic thoughts that I think might help all of you along the way. There's a book recently, and I was talking about it a lot on the site, where um, it's, it's called Burn by Herman Ponsner. Whether or not you should read it, I would highly suggest that you do not as a new person to fitness um, or a new person to this idea that we're talking about. But if you've been doing macros for a long time or something of this nature, the major thing that he talks about in that book is that exercise isn't that great for burning calories, right? And so um, this bothered every personal trainer on the planet because that's how they make their money because all they were focusing on was the burn part. And there was a whole other part of the book where he talked about the value of exercise and the value of metabolism and the value of eating more and all these things. Um, and it, he specifically talked about it was interesting as you're reading the book because they were comparing these hunter-gatherer people out of Africa called the Hasna. And the Hasna are very interested, uh, well, they, love, they, have, they have a big hankering for honey. So much 
of a hankering for honey that they will literally go up to a tree and get stung over and over and over again just to get the honey. And so when you think of honey, what I want you to think of is, is an energy source that is quick and easy. Now we all know that honey and sugar and, and really nuts and a lot of these other foods that get us a lot of calories really quickly, they're pleasing to our brain and they settle down some of our blood sugar issues and, and things of this nature because your body isn't meant to, to, to starve all the time. Now, is it okay to undereat occasionally? I think a lot of you, as you're going through these cycles, you know, we're getting more and more people that come to us each day and those people are overconsuming, which is great. You know, those are, those are the, the transformations that you see and they've lost 20 pounds in six weeks. And, you know, it's just amazing for that person. But if you've been dieting since you were 10 as a, as a female, this is something that we hear about often. Um, it's, it's, it's probably going to get you a certain amount of success, but the real success will be as you are appropriately fed. When you look at eat to perform, there's a reason why performance cycles are the basis of eat to perform. If you never get to a performance cycle, you didn't do eat to perform. And so if you just looked at us and you, you, you bought a six week plan or something of this nature, you know, all we're trying to do with all of our pricing, which is very reasonable and comparable to, to anything like, like a Weight Watchers or a Noom or something of this nature, but we don't have the contracts that those people have. We don't have kind of six month commitments and, and things of this nature. And we do that for a reason. The biggest reason is we want to give all of you an introduction, but we don't want to hold you captive. And so, so if you're ready to commit and this is something that, that you really believe is important to you and you're willing to give it all the way, you know, there's the song by, um, shoot, what, uh, Bonnie Raitt, right? And, and the song is, I can't make you love me if I don't, you don't. The program, Eat to Perform, is based on that song. We want you to love us. And if you don't love us, we want to give you the chance to move on without this big lengthy divorce and you're paying a penalty here and all this other type of stuff. The reason why those places need penalties is because they're not as good as what we do. That's simple. You know, the reason why we can do what we do and maintain 10,000 people is because we're good at what we do. And most of you, once you get past that point, what you're probably hearing a little about, bit about right now, and you'll hear more about it later, is that we also offer lifetime subscriptions and we have 7,000 lifetime subscribers. And so kind of keep that in mind that when we built the program, we built it for a long-term answer, right? And so keep that in mind. 
Um, Becky, was there a question? Yes, there is one last question. Um, And we'll end on this note. My question is, when I accomplish my goals, is there a way to maintain independently? I wonder if I can do this on my own when done and then return for a tune-up now and then. Oh, perfect question. Perfect question. Because I told you guys, or and gals, that I was going to come back to this. I do what you said. So here's what I do. And my number is going to be different than yours, I understand. But I just want all of you to know, I'm not an extreme exerciser. But I'm also not, you know, shredded up. And so you got to kind of keep that in mind. For me, health is about staying active and eating an adequate amount of food for what I do and eating more of the foods I like. I do the things that I enjoy right now. I'm really enjoying pickleball, so I'm doing that a lot. And by no stretch is pickleball extreme. But once I'm at 3,500 calories, once I've reversed myself out, which is, you know, that's part of the program that we help you with that performance part, I do what she suggested. I maintain my weight by intuitively eating and then um, uh, making sure that my scale weight is, is in a reasonable range of about three to five pounds of fluctuation. And it's shockingly simple. Many of you that have this fear of scale weight and weighing yourself and all these things, the reason why you have that fear is because you have that expectation that you want it lower all the time. And that's not really how your weight works. Now, going through the program, similar to what you're suggesting, is you're going to find that the more your weight fluctuates, it's actually easier to get your, your weight to go down eventually, right? So that's a plus, um, which is why you see that your, your weight is up the day after your super day. But the morning of your super day, the next week, your weight is typically down, especially in fat loss. In performance, what you're probably going to want to look for, or what we look for as coaches, is that your weight stable as food is normalizing. But yes, as your, um, as your calorie gets higher, you know, can you maintain weight? Here's my suggestion on maintaining weight. And this is the suggestion why I recommend that everybody do both levels of fat loss. Because what happens is, is that you do fat loss one, it really kind of sucks, and you want to get back to your food being normal. What happens in that situation is that you often get to where you wanted to go, but you kind of need to go a little bit past that, right? Because my suggestion is that you know, you, you probably go five pounds lower than you thought you would have wanted to go. So then you have that three to five pounds to work with. Right. And what I, what I see happen with people that are always wanting to do mini cuts or, or people that want to just do fat loss one, what ends up happening is they end up kind of rinse and repeating because the program is built on fat loss one, AP fat loss two. Now, if you come into as under eating, that's a whole different story. Your coach will be able to work you through that. You know, we're not going to let you sit there. This is very different than a lot of the other things that you may have done because we're not going to let you sit there, bang your head against a rock. But 
I would say in the last 10 years, um, the amount of food that I have logged, three years, tops. Now, what you might find, and, and stay open to this idea, is that you sort of like logging food because one, it kind of keeps you on track. The other part, uh, the other part is uh, Becky just smiled um, and it distracted me. But the other part is that you're adding food in. So as you're getting more food, you're like, oh, what are all the cool things that I can put in there? I probably do under eat occasionally, right? I'm not pushing the top end all of the time. And I absolutely do believe that if I were logging food, I would be going, wow, these 3,500 calories ends up being a lot. You know, it does end up averaging, you know, when I look at the way that I'm eating. And I think this is actually one of the pitfalls of intuitive eating in general. So a lot of people want to intuitive eat, but then the people suggesting that they intuitive eat say, well, you have to be careful or you have to be comfortable gaining weight. Uh, I don't, <laughs> right? My, my weight today is the same as my weight's been for the last four months. And so you kind of have to know what phase you're in. And so if you're always looking for the weight to be lower rigidly, then you're not really setting up a great relationship with food. But if we have your food normalized and you want to say move, um, you know, this is what a lot of our lifetime clients, Becky's probably going to start shaking her head here soon. But a lot of our lifetime clients do this where they will go through a cycle. They're good. They say, hey, just go ahead and take me off of reviews. I'm, I, I feel like I have it for now. And then what ends up happening is, you know, a year later, year and a half later, they just come in for a quick cleanup and, and then they're back kind of doing their own thing. If you want to see a great example of this, the best example of this by far is one of the clients that I've been working with the longest. It's Rachel Egner. And she's someone that we use a lot. And one of the reasons why we use similar people a lot is because we, we don't want to just show you the before and afters. We want to show you the before and after, and then the after, and the after, and the after, and after, and after. If you look at the recent picture that I put up for myself, you know, I've looked like that for 10 years now, you know? And so, um, but what I don't have is this preconceived notion of what I should weigh. Because like I said, in the beginning of the podcast, I've gained 43 pounds of muscle in that time. And so if I believed that I needed to be 150, I wouldn't have gained that muscle. And so you have to, you have to sort of realize that maybe who you thought you were going into eat perform and what you were trying to be might change and that's okay. So I think that's, that, that's a great one to end on. I really appreciate all of you being here. Um, if all of them go like this, I will be thrilled because uh, I, I loved all the questions that we were able to answer. Hopefully this helps all of you. I'm definitely going to put it out as a recording. So if your friends and family uh, wanna hear it, I think a lot of this stuff is really good information because even if you're doing something else other than eat to perform, which I don't know why you would, but if, if you're trying to be serious about something, 
you know, planning the day before is easily the best suggestion I've ever heard and the most effective things that you can do for any plan. And then what happens is, is if you um, do that for too long and you're always kind of moving off plan, then that's kind of a bad plan. Like the person that asked in the beginning, you know, should we default to fats or carbs if we're not? And we were like, yeah, no, we don't really play that. The reason why we don't play that is because every plan that we put in front of you, you should be able to do. And if we can't do that, then we need to kind of reset our thinking and, and try and get you into a plan that would work. And so in that instance, the person might move to a normal way of calories, or we might want to reverse them into what their regular calories would look like. All right. I appreciate everybody being here, especially Becky and Maria. Um, we'll try and get as many of your coaches in these as possible. Many of you probably aren't going to want to be a part of these, you know, once you become a veteran. Here's a little secret I will tell you. I probably should have waited to shut it down, but we are planning to do these with um, with regular people also so that the variance um, is, a, is a little bit more because, you know, I know right now to all of you, this is really cool information and I'm glad you're getting it. But after a while, you kind of want a little bit more advanced information. So always look for those Q and A's that I put on the, the main page. I, I love it when eat form clients are asking those questions because usually their questions are a lot better and different than the people that aren't eat form customers. And so they get to see our way of thinking and the way that we do things. And then the other part that I think is also in, important is that um, it, it ends up being like a little bit of an in advanced level. And, and when I'm doing those, what you'll often see is that there's a lot of people asking the same questions, butting their head against a bad approach to, to health and fitness that is actually pretty easy to solve. As I was doing the one today, you know, it just always surprises me how some of the really simple ideas people have wrong. And when you fix those small ideas, it really does point you in a path that's much better and much more informed. So I appreciate everybody being here and we'll talk to everyone later. Bye now.